Our show's going to get going here in just a minute. But before we get to that, before we get to the fun music, we are going to give props to our sponsors, starting with the place where we're sitting right now, the Farrier Bar at the Brentwood. Great place to come in Saratoga for a drink, meet interesting people. Um, if you can find a room at the Brentwood for the rest of the meet, that's a good thing to do, too. Or you can come up here off-season, because in many ways, as much as I love the racing up here, it's an even better place off-season than the Farrier Bar. Great place to get a drink, and we thank them for hosting us. We also thank our friends at Jellyfish Water for uh, sponsoring us this summer here. As we've said many, many times, a line that never gets old as far as I'm concerned. It's not the 40 days that get you in Saratoga. It's the 40 nights. And if you uh, refresh and renew with Jellyfish Water, you're going to feel a lot better about that. Jellyfish Water, also one of the sponsors of the TRF Barbecue at the Barn happening on Tuesday. The event itself is sold out, but you can still participate because there's going to be an awesome silent auction as part of it. And one of the items in the silent auction that I'm just volunteering to put up that I hope Kim will uh, get down with me about. We're going to do a whiskey tasting, whiskey tasting, handicapping session, whatever you want. Come to the little house on the east side, come to the place in Brooklyn, and we're going to drink through some pretty special bottles I've accumulated over the years. So anyway, you can bid by proxy. So if you're interested in that, get in touch with me at Looms Boldly on Twitter or through the contact page over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Now here's Ace Freely. Peter Thomas Fornital back with you live at the Farrier Bar. Very, very excited to be here for our latest uh, series. And we have our, I think this we can call her now our traditional Alabama weekend guest because she's been on four consecutive years, maybe the only guest we can say that about. I think at least three of them have been for uh, Alabama weekend, if not Alabama Day. I'm speaking about a woman whose work you have enjoyed if you watch America's Day at the Races. And if you listen to her, you've been making money this meet as well. Welcome back to the program, Maggie Wolfenden. As always, my absolute pleasure to be here. I, First of all, I loved Brentwood. I mean, as I walked in here, the smell of burning wood, which weirdly fire is like my favorite smell. I know that sounds really weird, but it's just an awesome place to be. And it's funny, last year, talking about Alabama, I didn't work Alabama Day. I went to the Lamont wedding right. to go to. This year I'm working. Please be back <laughs> on for Alabama duties uh, on the TV. Excellent, excellent. I want to talk to you about your role. You've been with Naira for a minute now. How has your role changed over uh, do doing the TV as the broadcasts have continued to evolve? What's different now than it was when you started out? It's a lot more work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... When I first started, it was just simulcast. And when you're just doing simulcast, you're just in the paddock. I mean, I'm you know doing the research and everything. I will say I do a lot more research now because you have to be on your toes more. So um, when you're doing these live shows and simulcast, not that you can skate by, but you can be a little bit more relaxed in your preparations. And so for me, it's also it's all you know, kind of tailoring what you're saying to be more concise uh, on a TV broadcast, whereas simulcast, you can kind of dribble you, on a little bit more. Sometimes you need to. Right, to yeah. fill that space. But too, 
I definitely am more fit than I was when I first started because I am walking, walking, walking from the paddock to the winner's circle, um, analyzing horses on track, which is something I didn't do necessarily before, and analyzing horses by horseback too in these big races and getting to do uh, horseback post-race interviews, which is my absolute favorite thing to do. So yeah, my role has evolved, is expanded, but it's all for the better. I love it so much. How different is that when you're conducting an interview with somebody in the winner's circle or just out of the winner's circle as opposed to doing it literally on horseback? Like, Does it change the questions you ask? Or how does that work? I, well, with the jockeys, you, so I find like in the winner's circle, you're kind of, you kind of get like free ball a little bit in that you can say, oh, this person's here that's not usually here, like Bill Parcells yesterday, yes. you know? Great, I can grab Bill Parcells for a winning interview. So when you're on horseback, you know who you're going to interview. You know, too, like if it's a sequence like we're having today, you know, kicking off with the late classic, okay, I can ask, you know, Irad about his horse in the Alabama later about Nest. So you, you're actually, you go out there maybe a little bit more prepared than what you would in the winter circle. Yeah, spitballing probably doesn't work so well on horseback. Yeah, exactly. I would, I'd, be, I'd be concerned about that. <laughs> I want to ask you about the tremendous amount of work that you do. I mean, folks are obviously very familiar with being able to, to be in the paddock and look at horse flesh and give your opinion. And obviously from your comments, you, you've done some digging into pedigrees, but I'm just looking over your shoulder here at your racing form and I'm seeing a lot of different marks and a lot of colors. different colors. And I'm, I'm curious what your process is like before you get to the paddock. Uh, what, are, what, are, what are those notes and what do they mean? Well, the two-year-old races, I mean, they take me a lot of time. I wake up early. I pray that my eldest child sleeps late <laughs> or else I just put the TV on for it. Mommy's got to do more work. <laughs> the electronic uh, babysitter right? yeah. in, our, in our game comes into play. It does. It does, unfortunately, <laughs> especially up here. But so start with the pedigree. Uh, you know, obviously there there's a lot of pedigrees coming up in today's seventh race. Um, start with pedigrees. You know, what is the winning percentage of the sire for first time out two-year-old? What has the dam produced? What are they a precocious family? Do you think they're going to want more distance based upon that pedigree? Then, you know, if they sold as two-year-olds, go and look at that uh, sales workout. You know, you have Good News Rocket, who the two horse in the seventh race today, who sold for 700,000 after working uh, 10 and one at the Phasic Tipton Gulfstream sale sale and look fabulous but then xptv which is a great tool to use up here we don't often get it when we're at belmont um watching his workouts in the mornings as of late eh, right interesting. Eh, you know so um and judging with the horses that he's worked with and what they've done on the racetrack so there's kind of going back and revisiting those horses and, and trying to surmise what talent level they're at obviously echo again son of Gunrunner, um, who just got to off to such an auspicious start as a sire last year, has had many horses on the, you know, Kentucky Derby Trail, and excitingly, uh, next week in this Travers, his son, and this horse has been working with older horses in the morning and has been going better than that. So he's working with older, accomplished winners and is, is working better with them, and it's interesting that Keith S. Asmussen's, uh, Steve Asmussen's son, who briefly rode for a little yep. bit, um, has been working this horse too for Winchell. Oh, that's interesting. So you're basically, mm -hmm. it's it's just soup to nuts, looking yeah. at every bit of exactly. information. Now, it's is it, I'm, I'm assuming with, when in a race that isn't first time starters, it's a very, very different process. But I did have a question to piggyback off something you said about looking at the two-year-old sales videos yep. as opposed to the recent workouts. How often do they correlate? How often is the impressive 
two-year-old in training worker the same as the one who catches your eye in the morning? I mean, from from a perfect correlation to random, where where does it fall in that continuum? Oh, it's there's there's more often differences to what because a, a lot of these horses are selling at OBS, so therefore it's a synthetic surface, and so you kind of have to judge to what you think they'll be best at, right? Um, whether it's turf or dirt, because you're not getting a synthetic surface here. So you have to go and watch those workouts. And luckily we have turf and dirt to prepare our horses on here at Saratoga. So a lot of times it is more often it's different than the same. That's so interesting. That's yeah. a, that, that, yeah. that's maybe an interesting lesson in there. It is. In that that a lot of times these horses are souped up at those sales. Right. And a lot of times you won't see them often debut until later on in the year, later on as three-year-olds, because they might need to be let down a bit more to kind of readjust. And grow, right? Exactly. I mean, what you're capable of doing physically at a, at a exactly. I mean, I think about human athletes and, yeah. the, and the development curve. Yeah. It's it's only logical that there wouldn't necessarily be a straight A-B correlation. Right, about. right. One of the things that surprised me when I spoke to David Aragona for an episode of Baby Talk that we did at the beginning of the summer was how much he, as somebody who didn't grow up like yourself mm -hmm. around horses, um, how he was able to sort of teach himself what a good workout looks like, what a good sale workout looks like. And actually he uses not just in his betting, but even just in, in his morning line making, his ability to look at and evaluate horses as an important skill. What advice do you have? And it might be hard for you as somebody who uh, was brought up in the game to explain this, but what would you say to somebody who wanted to develop that skill, a horse player who what wanted to What did David say? <laughs> I, I, I'm more interested because I've just always done it myself. Yeah, so. I mean, David was basically, I mean, this is oversimplifying, but it was more yeah. or less practice makes perfect. And, yeah, and being able to, exactly. and, and going back and... and I remember when David, before he even worked for Time Forum, before he worked for DRF, so on and so forth, and we kind of had a Twitter relationship. Um, and he he would converse a bit with me in about evaluating horses physically. Um, and so absolutely. I mean, he just submerged himself in horses and horse racing. And I think, you know, surrounding yourself with it is you're really the only way to work. Yeah. My two other like little hacks, I would say one is an obvious one. I'm not just saying this because you're sitting here. Listen to people like you who, oh. who have opinions and be able especially I do it myself. Yeah. I listen, you know, I, I take heed what David says. Um, I, what trainers, you know, tell me as well. And you know, you're constantly learning and, and two, it helps for me because as a, you know, it's insanely busy up here, but just going out and being on horses in the morning right? Um, and, and sitting on a horse and watching other horses train. I've had yeah. uh, Ray Handles talked about that, like seeing horses on, on horseback and, and what, <laughs> what effect that can have on these, on these airwaves. The other thing I would say is just make sure you spend as much time in the paddock as you can with the, the, the well fancy two-year-olds and and any grade one you can find. I feel like you get used to what a really good so, classy horse looks like. And it's, right, exactly. it's and it's sometimes more than the sum of its parts, not to get like too well, see, mystical about why, it, but there, there sometimes is an impression a horse will give that's something more than words. So that's why I often find that two-year-olds are the easiest because they're the most pure um, in a way because I mean, look, I can't get on air and say, whoa, that horse has a sketchy looking knee or something <laughs> like that. You know, like, I can't That might be the last that. time we Right, right, right. Exactly. Um, so, but that's what you, that, that is something that is obviously apparent with 
people who look at horses all day, every day. Um, but that I can't say. So then I, I try not to necessarily look at that and be, you know, objective into what I see. So that's why you, it's, it's often a little bit tougher to judge those claimers, those older horses that, you know, have been around for a bit. And like you said, the two-year-olds, they're a bit more pure. You kind of can really easily assess where they are in their fitness levels. Um, and because they don't have any issues to overcome. And then two with the grade one horses, sometimes it's harder because they all look so good. That's a good you know point. What I mean? I've been put away by that. Before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I think in terms of developing your skill for what you're looking for, exactly. being, around, example. Yeah, being yeah. around that kind of class yeah. can't be a bad thing. Yeah. We're going to get to some specifics of the races. We're going to take a break in a second as well, but I did have another general question for you that I've asked you every summer. You've been, uh, we, we've done this together. Of the two-year-olds up here you've seen run so far, who has impressed you the most? Um, obviously, Prank was really fast. Now, unfortunately, we have not seen her work back since that race. So I don't know if we're going to see her at least again at the meet. That's interesting. Um, and I haven't checked up on the next two I'm going to bring up. <laughs> but um, Disarm. And that was almost the thing I was most impressed about was how excited Steve Asmussen was after. Um, he was, you know, that derby has eluded him. And he is searching for that horse to bring him that Kentucky Derby win. And he gave me the impression that he thinks this horse could be it. And then, two, I was really impressed by Blazing Sevens. Um, a horse that put away uh, Bourbon Bash, who came back to win yep. quite nicely. And obviously that horse probably needed a race too. Um, but the fact that he just went away at the end, you know, just put a lot of distance between him and the rest of the field. And so I'm excited to see what he might do coming back. Chocolate Gelato trounced the competition. But I always marginally downgrade in a way when they were supposed to do that, to, to do that first time. And it takes them a start. But still, there's a lot of upside with her. And she's one of the fastest buyer, at least, for, for, for this uh, year. I wanted to ask you about that idea that we put forth um, on the show, Jonathan and I, a couple of weeks ago after the, the big chocolate gelato win. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd love your opinion on this. Because of how deep and tiring this racetrack has been, is it is it possible that having a start under your belt, as important as it always is, is it possible it's even more important in Saratoga 2022. That is exactly what Hall of Fame trainer Todd Fletcher said to me. He said, I think this track is far more demanding than what we estimated it to be. And so we see a lot of horses needing starts. And that's why when he said that to me, I put a lot more credence into those horses that one first time out. Right. That's right. I mean, and, yeah. and, and, you know, upgraded their performances if they were able to do it in their first start. Well, we'll keep an eye, obviously, on this crop. You mentioned Disarm, the the uh, the runner you mentioned before, Echo again. I think it was like three works back. We actually worked with uh, Disarm. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And he, I mean, so he's been working his, hold on, um, with Favorite Outlaw, who had been working with Jackie Warrior as well. Um, but uh, Not bad company. No. Uh, so back, he went on the inside of Favorite Outlaw, who, you know, is an allowance type of horse. Um, and he was going way better than that horse at the end and just doing it so easily. I mean, Keith was motionless in the irons. All right. We're going to get to some specifics on today's card. We'll talk some two-year-olds and we'll talk some stakes. But first, let's get in another word from our sponsors, starting with 
the, the vodka that's in the Bloody Marys that uh, we hold here right on the bar at uh, the Farrier Bar. Albany Distilling Company had the pleasure of being down at their physical space in Albany last night. Loving that little partnership they have with the Defugios from Troy. Definitely worth visiting and big fan of the Iron Maid series of whiskeys. We've done our podcast whiskeys with them. I know you're a fan. Yeah. Um, but also the, the Albany vodka is excellent and it's here at the Farrier Bar at the Brentwood, and, and I highly recommend putting it in your Bloody Mary. We also want to thank our friends at Naira. A little read from them. Uh, Alabama doesn't often come to mind when people think of upstate New York, except for this weekend. It's Alabama Day at Saratoga Racecourse, and we have two graded stakes, including the Grade 1 Alabama, the 142nd running, uh, featuring the top three-year-old fillies in the country, including Nest and Secret Oath. Fans are also going to get to watch the Lake Placid today, uh, featuring the Oaks winner with the Moonlight. Join uh, Maggie Wolfendale, Jonathan Kinchin, Acacia Courtney, and the Naira team as they bring you live racing expert analysis and picks for Saratoga Live showtimes. You can find them on the Naira website. We also made a little pretty link over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash TV, so you can see where you can find Maggie and the crew every day uh, at Saratoga and beyond. All right, time to talk turkey, my friend. Where should we begin? <laughs> uh, sorry, the big one? Let's, yeah, let's do it. Let's okay. do it. We'll go to the Alabama, a race that uh, I have in my uh, brain already, just to, so I have tomorrow's paper, and Nest is an impressive winner, so I want to hear yeah. if you have That's anything. That's why I said let's start <laughs> yeah. it, because it's probably the most easiest uh, well, race. At, at the one to two of the morning line, honestly, that would be like still a buy for me. I mean, I just yeah. feel like she's the fastest. So a total single for me, for yeah. me. But you tell I you. I want to hear. I want to hear what you. I, people okay. are here to hear you, not me. So what do you? My what do you one think? thing is that Jerry Mills is a little interesting. For sure. Um, there is some other speed in here. You would have to think that the long shot recent maiden winner, she's keen, would likely go in here. Though that was a pretty slow pace she set last time. But Jerry Mills could find herself there. Not that that's necessarily any sort of advantage. We know that Nest, excuse me, is tactical enough. Um, but I, I've been dying to see her go long. And it, I don't know why necessarily. Something physically? I mean, the yeah. pedigree says it's certainly within reach. Yeah, right? I mean, mischief and, it's a mischief. Yeah. You know, Jury, obviously, he's won a Kentucky Derby, yep. so um, with Authentic. But um, it just physically, yeah, exactly. She's always been just this really long, scopy, big, striding type of filly where I, I'm surprised she won at six, you know? So uh, I think third start off the bench I like her in a mile of That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't think she's as good as Nas, but at least her last, her last race in the Mother Goose suggests that she could be getting there. And you're going to have a much better price than uh, my long odds on. Uh, yeah, we'll Nest see. Fancy. Joel Rosario is off his mountains again today. Okay. So, um, I do. Uh, any any her. rumors of who's picking up, or do we have to wait? A, might be too early to have that info. Might be see too if early. I can, see if I can find it here. It might be Pratt. He's so, not. And that's Chad's, Chad Brown's go-to. So I would I would assume it's Flavian, but... It'll I be interesting to see tactically what they decide to do with Nest, how much rope they give a runner like Gerrymander. On pace figures, yeah. Nest could run with her early, yeah, but you exactly. could also see them saying, hey, we're going to mile give and a quarter. Yeah. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do tactically. Hopefully, as a Nest fan, with your enthusiasm for Gerrymander, I don't want to see her getting too loose. Yeah, there. right, right. No, I know. Um, Like I said, I, Nest is much the I, there, there's no qualms about it, but I am interested in gerrymander. Have you seen any of these others in, in the flesh recently? Any notes on a, on a runner like uh, like like Secret Oath, the Oaks winner, who's surely going to attract a lot of attention? People looking for her to maybe reverse form. So she, um, you know, Wayne Lucas has reportedly said that maybe he wasn't as 
tough on her, you know, it, it, you know, getting her prepared and her fitness levels as he thought he could have been in retrospect um, after the disappointment in the CCA Oaks. But I don't know how you would do that necessarily with the Philly who is quite a lightly framed Philly. It's not like she's a big, heavy, bulky type where I could see tightening the screws, getting her really tucked up and defined. I don't, I don't, I, like I said, I don't really see that being um, the, the case with her that she needed the race. She needed to be trained harder. I, yeah, no, I mean, Ness continues to fill out and get stronger. She's just thriving at the moment. Um, so like I said, it's her with a little gerrymander for me. I like it. Let's talk about the other, when we go to the other graded state next, we're hopping around a little bit, the Alabama for those, uh, marking the card along that's obviously race 10 the lake Placid, the other graded stake on the day for the three-year-old phillies that goes as race number eight and we've got the return to the races here of with the moonlight who is so in the toga oaks and back in just 13 days but i'm not convinced that that's a bad thing at all in a no lasix world especially where it feels like from what we've seen with, with horses in europe they can come back a, a lot quicker the effect one of the effects of LASIK seems to be a trainer once described it to me as flat the horse out a little bit, just takes yeah. a little bit longer to recover. Well, it depletes their um it, it just depletes their their uh hydration. Hydration, thank you. Gosh, good word <laughs> searching. Um so yeah, so it does take a while to recover. I don't know, and just really quickly back to riders, it is Flavian Pratt or okay. Mary oh, great. You got the and we do see uh, Jose Ortiz on Howdy. Um, in this Lake Placid as well. Um, so going back to uh, With the Moonlight, yeah, great. She doesn't run with Lasix, fine. That is a feather in her cap. I mean, none of these horses that have been participating in these stakes in New York have been. She takes her racing hard. From what I can That's surmise, she gets herself wound up. Yep. On the racetrack, she we certainly her saw rider that in, the, in whole the oaks. Way. In the oaks, it was and it, now yeah. and nothing taking nothing away from Louis Sias. He's absolutely brilliant, but William Buick knew her, knows her, and now you're chucking another rider on her coming back off two weeks rest. I don't know. I thought this race was a lot, and two, she looks even though her disposition says that maybe shorter is better. She looks like a filly that wants a mile and a quarter, if not Interesting. more. Those are some questions with a horse that's going to be a heavy favorite. Where does your eye go instead? I'm really interested in, in Howdy. I, I didn't think she went any part of that Belmont Oaks Invitational going the mile and a quarter. She might ultimately be best at a flat mile, but, I mean, we're splitting hairs here with an extra half a furlong. I She's another one third off the bench. I like that for her um, because she is a, she is one, even though she won her debut and she won her first race back off the bench, I think she does maybe get a little bit – more fitness and just I just think that this distance much better is much better for it. I can't take anything away from uh Chad's other three horses in here. They make sense. You know who interests me a little bit at a, at a price is Kennessy um for Christophe Clement. Tell me the story. Uh just have always liked her. She beat a two highly regarded uh Chad Brown first time starters in their debuts when they all met. And for me I mean, she showed a different dimension going a mile and an eighth last time and being on the front end when she's able to win that way. She's been shown in just three starts that she's totally adaptable, um, takes her races wherever she goes. And as a physical, you couldn't ask 
a filly to look any better than what she does or to be more athletic. And it's not something I can necessarily say about the progeny of point of entry. That's that's very, very interesting. And this is one who uh, I, I think is, is going to be a very big price in this. Uh, oh, this yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, look, it's a tough field. I don't know if I love her as a win candidate, but I would definitely be using her. Something to have uh, yeah. up in the mix there. I want to go back to Hottie's last race for a second in the in the Belmont Oaks. I mean, I, everything you're saying makes sense. And to be forgiving uh, about that at the price she's going to be probably makes sense. But I, I guess I just didn't see um, – and I know the distance is a theoretical excuse, but she just did so little running. I'm having trouble – getting over the mental, the, the mental hump with her. Did you, did you see something during the race or it, was there, was there some excuse I'm not seeing beyond the distance? Or are you just willing to say it wasn't her, it's not her distance. Let's just give her a shot at the distance. She's more going to be more adept at. Uh, it, it's the latter, Pete. I didn't see anything necessarily other than she did seem maybe to me somewhat dull in the panic. Okay. Um, so maybe look for her to be a little bit more energetic um, which is my only slight thing that I noticed um, relative to other times that I saw her, but the other times, albeit were when she was a two-year-old. So um, that demands the question, though. You're yeah. going to, and I presume the answer is yes. You're going to be on for this race. Yes. We can, we can hear. Uh, and trackside uh, on the pony Excellent. on the track. So I, I will pay in particular attention That's to her right. and how she warms up. Just another reason to watch today. That's yeah. excellent. That's excellent. <laughs> Let's move to the race in between the two we've talked mm -hmm. about already. We've got this interesting turf sprint in the smart and fancy stakes with a field of 10 going postward. Um, who do you like in here? Mad respect for change of control. I mean, how can you not respect this Michelle Lovell Philly um, mayor? Excuse me. And I thought, her effort in the Jiper two back was valiant behind you know, repeat grade one winner, Casa Creed. Uh, yeah, she had an ideal trip. She was down on the inside, but holding your own against grade one turf sprinting boys or, you know, turf milers for that reason um, it is commendable. Uh, you know, Robin Sparkles, as much as I love her, um, she did get away with things. I Last think, time was bit. probably the time there, right? Exactly. As Andy Sterling likes to say, you missed the wedding. <laughs> um, and uh, you would have, you don't know with these two fillies trying the turf for the first time, but uh, Sarah Harper is very fast. Sometimes it doesn't translate, but um, if she stays in, I should go back to my scratches here. Oh yeah, I should have, I should have pulled those up. Any scratches in, in, uh, in the night? Just the 10. Okay. Oh, Kinesi is scratch. Okay, oh. so there we go. Thanks, Well, we don't have to worry about Kinesi then. Yeah, no. Nope. Uh, All right. <laughs> Boo. She was like my really interesting, uh, yeah. One to pay attention to in another, in another, uh, in another spot. But the, only the 10 coming only out the 10. of the, of the smart and fancy. I got to ask about a personal favorite of mine, Caravelle. I'm willing to forgive the effort. Why is she your favorite? Oh. I just like her. I've just always thought she was cool. You know, I just yeah. I, tough and followed her since, yeah. uh, you know, she, big Liz Merriman fan. So followed her for a long time. The know. only time I've ever liked her physically prior to a race was one, when Liz had her. Okay. That's interesting. And that's I interesting. was even in the paddock when she, so I was in the paddock when she won um, the Intercontinental. And I turned to Liza Hendricks and Liz, obviously Liza. And I said, what do you think about her? <laughs> and they're like, looks awful. <laughs> and I, you know, in different words, basically says the same thing. And she completely proved me wrong, but she got things her own way yeah. too. And I, look, I've never been her biggest fan in the paddock. Prior to any of the starts post Lizzie Merriman. 
That's interesting. I just thought she had an excuse last time, not breaking. She from from that post position needed to go. Didn't but don't break, you think that trouble. Miss J McKay has a bigger excuse yes, and did more and running? And hundred percent right. She's I mean, my I, pick. Yeah, I love Miss Jamie. They're sort of my co-A's, and I let the sentiment yeah. get me, and I went 9-6, but it probably should be 6-9, because Miss Jake McKay had equally as bad of a trip and, you know, still almost still almost won the tournament. Yes. So you're, you're all about Miss Jay McKay here? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a little change of control mixed in? Yes. A lot of respect for her as well. Um, I mean, there – yeah. Change of control. I, she did face a weaker field, obviously, last time out. But she has shown uh, numerous times when coming up here to New York that she can hold her own. I'm excited to see it. A couple too. more races we'll talk about quickly. We've already touched very much on the seventh race. And Echo, again, expected to go to post a very big favorite. We do have a scratch. I do have scratches in here now. Uh, Spinzar is not going to participate. Okay. That very interesting-looking tap at uh out of a medallia d'oro mayor uh, yeah. is it is it all about echo again in here or can you is there anything else that you're in, and obviously pending you're looking at them in the paddock but in terms of horses you're excited to see in this race who, who else would make that i mean list? there's there's uh, there's great pedigrees in here um you know classic legacy on the outside a son of uh into mischief there's some pedigree going back a bit uh, and too she's a half sister to an art collector um, Good blood. <laughs> yeah, it was the grade one winner um, and uh, just won uh, the Alidar Stakes up here for the second year in a row. Uh, so Classic Legacy is definitely one to, to take a look at. I I didn't mind the, the workouts from number one expected value for Chad Brown, even though he's the son of Flatter, which he's been more successful with his sprinters. And in the bottom side, it's more of a sprinting pedigree. Watching this horse in his gallop outs and his breezes finishing up, he's finishing up better than he's starting. That's so for me, the six and a half is probably an ideal spot for him to begin. And given some of the, you know, the quickness of that pedigree, he can make some noise here. Very interesting. And then good news rocket. So that's a great one that we were talking yeah. about where love the sales workout, but haven't really seen that in his preparations leading up to this race. Depending on what you, I, I assume if he looks well in the paddock, you might, you might Give get him, him back on side, yeah, but, right, but right. you're not necessarily expecting to be one of the yeah. ones you're going to like the best. Exactly. Did you have a chance to look at the fifth race? Or yes. Are you on TV for that one? Yes. Let's talk about that. That's these two year old maidens on the grass sure. on the inner turf. We do have some scratches in here. We'll tell you about the nine and the 10 will not be participating. MTOs. Oh, they were MTOs. So yeah. there you go. So just the, the, the body of the field of eight will be going postward. And uh, what pedigrees, uh, what pedigrees stood out to you in here? Well, there isn't necessarily an abundance. Um, there's conversing for Shig McGahey, who the dam is the greatest stakes winner, albeit a mile and a half on the turf. Um, and the sibling has done no running whatsoever, but they, so I remember, oh, I can't remember what's his name now. Oh, Shug had one debut on the turf. It was a short field on the outside. West Point horse that Kendrick Carmouche rode. Can't remember his name. Anyway, that horse had been preparing with a stakes winning turf horse by the name Fort Washington. Okay. That horse won. This horse has been working with Fort Washington and going better than him. I mean, this horse in his last breeze, ears pricked the whole way. And he just looks like a big, strong colt. And, you know, Fort Washington is a four-year-old, I believe. And this guy looked bigger than him. Um, so, and just 
And even in his, his dirt workouts uh, from the gate, he's been finishing strong, which isn't usually typical of turf horses. You know, they kind of hit the end of their breeze once they come off the bridle. <laughs> you know, they're, they're floundering a bit. Not him. I, I like this horse based on not necessarily pedigree, but at least what I've seen from him in his workouts. Battle of Normandy? Was that yes, the, thank that you. Was the, the, yeah, the, the all I can think of was Capture the Flag, which was the first time to on the dirt. That right, right, yeah. right. It's interesting uh, to see him having uh, such a good meet with the Firsters. Maybe this will be maybe this will be another one. Exactly. So, uh, like I said, the preparations from the source have been um, really, really good. Now, activist investing, he's likely your favorite in here. He had a lot of trouble when Wide Right really took his name by heart. <laughs> I mean, he went really wide getting out to the right um, in that first turn. And actually, I didn't think wide right fin finished that poorly after that trouble beginning. Um, he, you know, he had to make up a lot of ground, did a little running at, at the end, and he just pre-race, he looked so green. He didn't look fit either. So maybe he's the one that steps up and improves. But activist investing had so much trouble um, that day. And he was bet down to favoritism. Coach Peacher did nothing wrong. He attended um, the pace. And so people are going to latch on, I would say, to activist investing based upon that trouble, based upon the fact that he was favored. But you can't discredit Coach coach feature either all right very very interesting notes there i can guarantee you, you mentioned interviewing uh, coach parcells i bet you he smiled when he heard the name wide right as a yeah, uh, right. new york giants uh, yeah. fan myself i can't help but think, and i feel bad for name check for scott norwood in this context but it was one of the greatest days of my life as an american football fan anyway well did the, you did you see on the show yesterday i, I interviewed him and i got him to to say the horse's name let's go big food <laughs> and then it, it didn't follow up because uh eli Englehart, jeremiah Englehart's son he was on for when his dad won the next race and he shouted it too so it was a big theme i mean i hope some giants fans obviously are watching we appreciate it we appreciate uh, all you do to help with players and you know we'll, we'll take the extra love for our football team you are, i'm assuming you're no, like a ravens fan or so something that, yeah yes okay yes, well, yes, that's I, legit. I yeah we beat you guys you know <laughs> in Super Bowl. oh that was one of the worst days of my american <laughs> football uh, fandom was that was that ass whipping um have you do you have a uh, a world football a soccer team now have you been indoctrinated uh, into no, that culture no no that is fully my husband's he is a tottenham fan okay good for him okay. i mean so he he's spent Cool. <laughs> and so, <laughs> whatever. Fantastic. I mean, I get on board a little bit with the World Cup. Okay, stuff. that's about well, that's that's something. That's better yeah. than nothing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, great stuff, Maggie. We really appreciate you coming on the show today. Got a great crowd here. Thanks everybody for Thank uh, turning out at the uh, at the Farrier Bar. Thanks to Marcus. Thanks to all of our sponsors, including Jellyfish Water, Albany Distilling Company. Uh, we can hang out for like a minute if folks want to say hi. And uh, otherwise, we'll see you the next time. Yeah.